sports meets beer podcast. Brad Barmore here. That is Ben Perry. Episode 98 yeah. on the books. Here 98 episodes. It's more than that. It's a little mathematical loophole we found. <laughs> the way we count. <laughs> One, two, seven, ten. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as always, you can check us out on all the social medias, ladies and gentlemen. That is Facebook. That is Twitter. That is Instagram. That is untapped. If you want to see what we've been drinking, even when we're not on the show, um, you can definitely do that. You can email the show at sportsmeetsbeer at gmail.com. As always, that's meats like the protein. <laughs> M-E-A-T-S uh, meets beer at gmail.com. Uh, we spent a lot of time with our last episode talking about what we what we projected foolishly projected for the NFL season and one thing that we learned from all of that is that we have no idea what we're talking about as most analysts the yeah. difference is we're not yelling like uh what's his face well you keep turning my levels down that's it's <laughs> <laughs> just we're on new equipment that's why he's trying to equalize okay. everything yes equal and and often i don't know you know, it's working. So we went through, we re, we recapped uh, our predictions from the beginning of the season, which you can always go back and check out and listen to. It's fun to hear uh, what fools we made of ourselves. It's fun to hear what uh, out of the blue predictions that we made that actually came true. Um, <laughs> that makes us seem like prolific in some exactly. way, shape, or form, but really was not. Exactly. And then you can check out, we had Daniel Wright from the Daniel Wright Morning Show on with us to kind of talk about the playoffs and, and what happened. And and uh, those four games over wildcard weekend generally did not disappoint did not disappoint. Let's just no. jump. Let's just jump right into it here. You know, Saturday games was uh, they were Houston, Indianapolis in the morning, and then we had uh, Dallas and Seattle at night. Uh, you know, I was feeling pretty confident about Andrew Luck and the, that nine and one stretch they had going into the playoffs. And, yeah, and they didn't disappoint anybody. What's what's uh, what are a couple of takeaways you got from that game there, Benjamin? Uh, I mean, the, the the main thing that we leaned on during our radio football picks was the experience. Right, mm-hmm. Andrew Luck has the experience. And it clearly showed he didn't get rattled. He stayed, uh, you know, he stayed in the pocket in a good amount of time. His pocket presence was amazing. Uh, And his offensive line really, really gave him the time he needed to make plays happen. T.Y. Hilton is uh, is not a clown, regardless of what they say from the Texans. But him showing up to the game with a clown mask (laughs) was hilarious. He didn't have a ton of yards, but he had some really, really amazing catches. Yeah. Which, you know, that's the... I, you know, I, you could go for 180 yards and not have a touchdown or whatever, but these critical, you know, third and third and six, uh, you know, second and, and 12, things like that, where they got put backed up against the wall and he came through and made some clutch catches. You know, and I think that's a good point. I, I mean, he's a guy that for whatever reason, Houston has a hard time guarding. Or, yeah, Houston has a hard time guarding. But uh, the thing that kind of struck me is that um, I haven't watched a ton of Colts games over the course of the year. Uh, you know, I just kind of track their statistical stuff and I don't get a chance to watch them a lot. Uh, Andrew Luck's arm. (laughs) He is not the same quarterback. I mean, he's a smart guy. He makes the right reads. He's had a great statistical season, but there were some throws that even when he was stepping into, you know, they gave him a lot of credit on the TV broadcast. They talked about, especially like that big third down throw in the first quarter to Mm -hmm. T Y Hilton on the, you know, the near hash Tory was, you know, Oh, he threw it into triple coverage. Well, he really under threw it. And T.Y. Hilton just came back and made a great catch. I'm sort of in the pocket. He, I mean, he still got some accuracy. I just, it looks like somebody's throwing a shot put now. I was the thing that got me in it. And so a guy like T.Y. Hilton, his value is exponentially increased because, uh, you know, if you just can't rely on Andrew Luck's 
you know, the arm that he came into the league with is not the arm that he has now. But don't you think that his, I mean, this is, think about like the Peyton Manning Bronco era, right at the tail end of the Colts going into the Broncos. I mean, he was a shell of what he could do before. He wasn't mobile, but he was smart. Right. Well, and that's a that's a big difference. You know, Andrew Luck still is mobile, right? I mean, he's the same size and speed as Cam Newton. You know, that's something yeah. that gets lost on people a lot. You know, they came in the same draft. I just, you know, he's still a great quarterback, obviously, because he knows the offense. He knows how to play the mismatch. He makes the right reads. You know, generally speaking, I'm just saying just with the one physical attribute, like you, there is a clear drop off. And the thing like with Peyton Manning is he never had a rocket arm. People always talked about, you know, Eli being the one with you know, the better physical attributes, mm-hmm. um, you know, Peyton Manning never had the big time arm, but he was just so smart and was so accurate that it made a difference. Right. And I would argue that, you know, it's happening to Andrew Luck much earlier in his career, you know, just, and again, it's stems from the shoulder issue and whatnot, but the, the level he's playing at from a cerebral standpoint and just what he's doing at the, at the line, you know, they did a great job of neutralizing, you know, JJ Watt and Clowney and all those dudes. Yeah. And that boy, Quentin Nelson, that guy could block a train. He is <laughs> awesome. He made Jadavian Clowney on more than one occasion just, you know, look like a child. Well, I think the biggest takeaway on this is is that the just the, I mean, passing yards, they were pretty close, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest thing is is the rush, right? They, you know, the Colts cap was at 200 yards rushing. Uh, the, the Texans were 105. So right there, you look at the, the Colts did a really good job stopping Lamar Miller. Uh, and the Texans didn't do a good enough job stopping Marlon Mack. Yeah, Marlon Mack. I think the Texans only gave up three yards of tw- or three rushes of twenty or more yards all season, and he had five in that game. Yeah. So it's uh, it was inter- interesting to say the least. In- Indianapolis is rolling. That offense they is good are. defensively. They're doing a lot of good things. Uh, that's going to be an interesting one. You know, they're going to be at Kansas City uh, this coming week. You know, my sort of knee-jerk reaction to that is Kansas City might be in trouble. Uh, the way that Kansas City gets after the quarterback is is super important to that uh, to their success. Mm-hmm. And Indianapolis is good; they can protect Andrew Luck. They've shown that he didn't get sacked once on some, this past Saturday. Um, you know, Kansas City cannot stop the run, and guess what? Uh, Indianapolis can really run the ball. And Indianapolis' right. defense is playing the best it's played all year at the right time. You know, Kansas City needs 35 points to, to beat you. You know, you're, they're just not... Uh, they're just not capable of winning like an 18 to 16 game. That's just not who they are. Right. And so if any, if we saw anything, I mean, we'll get into some more of these games for this past weekend, but if we saw anything, it's that defense prevails in January and Kansas City isn't bringing one. So, you know, we could talk about, we've talked about it on the show before, but you could talk about, you know, Andy Reid's history and what are you going to get out of a second year quarterback and Pat Mahomes and all these types of things. All of that stuff notwithstanding, one of these teams is bringing a defense to the fight and one of them isn't. Right. And so, that's, that's going to, as we said, defense wins championships. That's yeah. the thing. And, I, you know, I just don't think the Colts are ready for that. I mean, that's. You don't think the Colts are ready for that? Or the sorry, Chiefs sorry, are ready the for Chiefs. That? I'm sorry. I don't think the Chiefs are ready for that. Thank yeah. you. Uh, the nighttime game was more entertaining, I'd say. Just because it was because it was Dallas. It was Dallas. You know, that place was electric and Seattle's offensive coordinator thought that this was a NFC playoff <laughs> game from game. 1957 <laughs> because I, my favorite was Troy Aikman early in that game trying to justify the 
the Seahawk offense. They have the the second most three and outs in the league, he said. But they find a way to just wear you down with all those three and outs so that Russell Wilson can beat you late. <laughs> and all I want what are you talking about with the three and outs wear you down? What are you talking about? They were Seattle was two for thirteen. On third down. On third down. Yeah. Well, they didn't really uncork any big throws until what? Late in the third quarter? Right. Like you have Russell Wilson, who is an I MVP like, candidate most of the year. I felt like that was the case in uh, as well as the Baltimore game, where the big throws didn't happen till the t- you know the last third of the game. Yeah, we'll get to we'll get to that in a minute. I, I think that Charger game. The more I've been sort of thinking about that, and I watched it again yesterday. Uh, that there's a reason why the Chargers are my AFC favorite. But at this point, but uh, it, you know, uh, it really got me. You know, Seattle has real playmakers on defense, and I would argue that Dak Prescott, you know, didn't do anything particularly great, even though, you know, he sort of willed his team to win. You know, he did the winner's thing. Everyone's going to talk about what a winner he is, you know, by getting running for that touchdown, calling his own number, you know, converting that third down in the fourth quarter. You know, he did some things, obviously, to get his team to win. And I guess at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Uh you know, but Seattle had a chance. They had him on the ropes. He threw the interception in the end zone. And, you know, I, I even with all the things that Ezekiel Elliott did, they they took Amari Cooper out of that game for the most part. Amari Cooper didn't do anything. Um, you know, and so I worry about Dak Prescott going into New Orleans. And I know they got New Orleans once already, but that was at home. And New Orleans is a much better team at home than they are on the road. And Dallas is not as good on the road as they are at home. Right. And so, you know, and if you're Seattle, you know, you just let go of Daryl Bevel. Uh, you brought in Brian Schottenheimer, you know, and his whole thing was he he zigged when the rest of the league is zagging. Right. They they ran the ball for 160 yards a game. The three headed monster of Carson and Penny and Mike Davis, you know, all the things that Russell Wills can do out of that read option. You know, they were able to go 10 and six because they just ground teams down and they just weren't able to do that. That Dallas linebacking core is really good. Uh, And they did all of the things against that defense or against that, you know, running game that I thought, you know, I thought Seattle would be able to throw over the top of them a little bit. And I thought Russell Wilson would keep the ball more on those read option plays. And he just didn't do that. And I don't know if that's by design or what. And then, of course, you know, once they sort of took the reins off and he's able to throw the ball a bit more in the fourth quarter, that game got really interesting. And also... I was at, I was at one of the restaurants on Saturday night when that game was going on, and there was some talk about, well, why aren't they onside kicking it here? You know, why do they do that little pooch kick? Yeah. And so somebody said, "If Janik-, and I said, "Well, Janikowski's hurt, so there's probably a different you know, strategy here." There's the punter, right? And they go, "Well, that's why they're pooch kicking it." And then I thought, "Well, Janikowski's never had an onside kick recovered." He's terrible at it. Oh yeah, in his career, he's terrible at it, and so it's kind of an interesting close to that game. But I just, I as a you know, I took Seattle getting the points in that game, and it pushed. But yeah. I, you know, I was disappointed because I thought Seattle would be a little bit more creative offensively and do a few more things off of you know what they had put on tape all year, and they just didn't do that. And you know, Dallas defense did what I did, what they've done all year. And I give them a lot of credit for that. But offensively, what did they do in that game to make you think that they can go play on the road against New Orleans? And, you know, if it was if it was at home with them, it'd be way different. I think you I think Dallas would have a real chance. But the same competitive advantage they had over Seattle is what is what New Orleans is going to have over them. All right. And you have a way more complete offense. That's that has been playing rolling hot and playing hot. Yeah, and I'm not saying that Seattle didn't play great, but they were. I felt like they were 
they were not they're not their usual game plan. Not they, in the playoffs know. anyway. They underwhelmed for sure. Yeah. So I guess the question then becomes, you know, does Dallas even does Dallas even get to New Orleans in this situation? Because they got to go to the Rams this particular week. You know, we've kind of watched the Rams offense struggle a little bit down the stretch. I mean, they put up, you know, I think, 30 or 42 against, you know, against the Niners in the final think, week of the year. I think Goff not playing very well is going to be a huge factor. And I think Dallas is going to take that game. It's not going to steamroll them, but yeah, they uh, take that game. They are they are built to cause a lot of problems for Jared Goff because the teams that were beating the Rams down the stretch were just loading up eight in the box, taking Gurley away up the middle and not not really biting on play action for the most part, just staying at home, you know, staying wide, taking away a little of that screen game and just forcing Goff to have to make big time throws and one on one matchups. And he just wasn't able to do that. I mean, we saw what Chicago did. Chicago's defense was number one, you know, was the best defense by a mile in the league. You know, we saw what that, but we saw them, you know, them have trouble with some of the other defenses they played down the stretch also. You know, it started with Detroit, really. So I think the question here is, I know that if both offenses are rolling, Dallas cannot keep up with the Rams, right? Right. If both defenses are rolling, Dallas's defense is, is better than the Rams defense is because the Dallas the strength of Dallas's defense is with the linebacking, linebacking core. core. And so they can cause a lot more matchups at the line of, or a lot more matchup problems at the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, the thing is, is if both defenses are rolling is Dallas's defense exponentially better than the Rams, you know, to make up for the fact that, you know, their offense. I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, we saw late in that Seattle game that Dallas will give up big plays down the field late. Like they'll have, they're, they're prone to lapses in the secondary. Mm -hmm. And so will, you know, will the Rams be able to make enough of those types of plays against that Dallas defense to sort of stay in the game late? If you told me, if you asked me at like week eight or nine, I would say no problem. Rams have this, but their last four games showed that they've got a weakness and yeah, you know, it's it to me. It's not a coaching mistake. It's a it's a quarterback mistake. So if they can capitalize on subpar quarterback player, that, that hello Russell Wilson. That's what just happened with Russell Wilson. He didn't play up to his potential. He doesn't play what he normally does. Same exact situation is going on. I think they have a chance. I think they have a strong chance. But even though the Rams are favored by seven, I that's a, yeah. I take the Dallas. Take Dallas in the points. That is gonna the points. That is gonna be crazy. Um. You know, I, I I have a hard time picking against Dallas in this situation. I think they cause a real problem for the for the Rams matchup. And so I think the fact that we jumped the gun and talked about them in New Orleans probably gives away what we're going to say the rest of this, <laughs> the rest true. of this little segment. But um, yeah. And then if you're Seattle, you know, I, I we kind of shared that. Uh, we sh- I shared that meme as the three ninjas meme yeah. with the three coaches in the NFC West. Uh, and then, you know, Pete Carroll and <laughs> just being the old guy. But what? If you're Pete Carroll, do you let, or are you, are you happy going into next season with Brian Schottenheimer as your offensive coordinator? I mean, again, they went ten and six this year. They're obviously well coached. They obviously got away. I don't want to say get away. That's probably unfair. But they obviously were able to to get, you know to get blood from a stone with that defense being what it is, and you know with the you know relative lack of like big time playmakers outside of Russell Wilson on the offense. I mean, do you mm-hmm. want Schottenheimer coming back? I mean, what do you think, you know, if you're Pete Carroll, you're looking at Saturday's game and you think moving forward, what? Meaning that, well, you just look at how the, how they lost that game. Cause obviously the season worked out well 
And I think they developed their defense in the draft. And they, I think there's not going to be any coaching changes there. Mm. They made they made the playoffs. That's I'm not saying it's enough, but it's enough to keep them. I mean, they re-signed Carroll. He's not going to change, make a coaching change this late in his career. Well, I mean, they fired Daryl Bevel, right, last, after last season. I mean, you know, those types of um, – maybe he's not going to make another one at this stage. I, I, I just don't see him making another one. Interesting. Interesting. Sunday's games, uh, the morning game opened up, and it was wildly boring for uh, three quarters, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> the poor well, Chargers – It's funny because the final score does not dictate how the game went. No, it was like – it was what? It was 12-3 at the half or something like right. that. You know, I, what is it do you think that the NFL hates about the Chargers in that they had to go to they went 12 and four and had to go to Baltimore and they the NFL gave them the early morning, the early morning uh, kickoff on Sunday, the 10 o'clock kickoff on Sunday. And then they they win that game. And now I realize that New Orleans, New England is actually the higher seed because they have a better record. I get it. Um, and they won their division. There's all of those things. So I understand that there's. Like you got to travel to to New, to New England. That one makes sense to me. But how does that game get their early kickoff on Sunday again? I think, quite honestly, I think it's the NFL really wants Mahomes to be the poster boy of the the next generation of, of football, and Philip Rivers is not. And I think, really, quite honestly, they want him to win the MVP. They want him to win. They want to do everything they can to give him the advantage. I, that's, I think, that's what it is. It's one of the only thing that's logical in this situation. Well, the MVP voting is already done. It doesn't take into account the playoffs, right? I understand. But uh, what my point is, NFL is doing everything they can to... Mahomes is their poster boy. Mm. That's They're putting all their effort into him. So he's going to... And I guarantee that, I mean, obviously, because they won their division, they're going to get great primetime games next year, but they're going to get the best primetime games. Well, I think, I think it has mostly to do with... I mean, the reality is it has mostly to do with TV. Which matchup is juicier from the NFL's perspective because I oh, think that the course. game is going to be the the game on sa- sa- Sunday is Chargers or is uh, Cowboys Rams. That's the game on Sunday. Right? Uh, no, that's Saturday. So that's on Saturday? So yeah, then they, Sunday is Chargers New England, Philip, uh, Philadelphia, New Orleans. Philadelphia, New Orleans gets the Sunday night game? 140. Or the yeah, Sunday afternoon game? That's yeah. so stupid. Like that game is not juicier than... And I'm really surprised why they don't go with a one forty-five o'clock game on Sunday versus Saturday. You know what I mean? Like they, yep. it just I feel like Sunday night, Sunday night is the is the night for football. I think that's like a, that's a yeah. great matchup. It's all of those things. Yeah, the tell I I was I thought that Dallas and and the Rams were going to play on Sunday night on Sunday afternoon. That was the later game. That one made sense to me. I you know I could understand why they would go that route, right? Um, but then there, that game's probably going to be Saturday night, right? That's the primetime game on Saturday. The Rams-Dallas? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay, so there you go. So that's if they're going to do one primetime slot, that game is clearly getting it. Oh, my God. So anyway, going back to it, I, so going back to that game. Well, you know, going back to why the NFL hates the Chargers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, like, again, again I think it's just one of those things where they want, they want Mahomes to succeed. They don't want, I think it's bad for their business to have a wild card team go to the playoffs and win. It's bad. Bad luck, but that happens all the time. Uh, hasn't ha- it happened a lot, and hasn't happened in like eight seasons? I think seven seasons. Is that right? Yeah, wild wild card Super Bowl champions. The last one, so it was uh, Super Bowl participants: seventy five, eighty five, ninety two, ninety nine. Super Bowl champions: eighty, ninety seven, two thousand, two thousand five, two thousand seven, two thousand and ten. So yeah, you're right. It's been eight seasons. I thought it was more more recent than that. Yeah. 
Um, well, yeah, and that you're, <laughs> you're probably right about them not wanting wildcard teams to participate in the Super Bowl, let alone win it, because then it just adds fuel to the argument that they should just seed out based on the record, forget about the divisions. Right. Right. And frankly, like the division is important, you know, because you, it, there is incentive to win the division because it gets you into the playoffs. Right. right? There are going to be wildcard teams that might have a better record than a division winner. That's going to happen, but you have to win your division. You're going to play those teams twice. Yeah. You know, the the twice. whole part about it is that's, yeah, that's, I, I currently like the, the I like that they're reseeding at after the wild card. That was I think that was a really important step. But again, it's I think it's a bad look and it's a bad for their business to have someone who's a wild card candidate win and be a part of the Super Bowl. You want you want your because then it just it, it, if anything it just <clears throat> it takes away from from winning your winning your title winning your division. Yeah, yeah I. It just it feels like they just got royally screwed. Is that the? I, but they also their travel like the one of the slides that CBS showed how their travel, including a London game, their last six games they were all over the map. I know, and it seemed and they won all those games. So clearly, travel doesn't affect them as badly as it does other teams. Yeah, well, yeah, and they seem. I mean, they seem to be well coached in that regard. I think that they show up and they they play strong from the jump. I think that's a good point that you make there. About, I think the Niners should look at their their physical trainer or physical uh <laughs> yeah their trainer well, they, let, the they let they let their strength and strength and conditioning guy go yeah. uh and lastly the chicago i mean fuck that kick we all know the kick the kick got tipped but man i had i was really wanting chicago to go and it wasn't because i was hating philly i just i wanted chicago to go i wanted khalil mack to go i wanted you know i want i i still am a fan of his right of his of his play right I thought for sure they had that game in the bag and they let him back in with two scores. And then all of a sudden this, you know, Nick fucking Foles, man, the guys like the guy, he just, I mean, he didn't play great in that game. 225 or 255 or something like that. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, you know, he had big moments in that game. Yeah. But again, I think, and Trub, here's the thing. Trubisky played pretty well for the most part. He 300 did. and something yards, two touchdowns, no picks. 303, one touchdown, no picks. Nick one Foles had picks. 266, two touchdowns, two picks. Um, Philadelphia did a great job of bending and not breaking. They're fast on defense. They're violent on defense. They took away a lot of what Chicago was trying to do in the ground game. Mm-hmm. Tariq Cohen kind of did what he wanted, you know, in the air. He had some big plays down the field. You know, which obviously is a mismatch problem with him coming out of the backfield. But I give Philadelphia a lot of credit, man. I, I, I when we did a radio show and then when we did this, I thought that Chicago would win. Also, uh, you know, Nick Foles on third down. We read that crazy stat line. It's you know, it's like quarterback rating on third down is one thirty five. Yeah. passer rating rather. He was six for thirteen in that game. Six for thirteen, which is worse than his usual conversion rate on right. third down. And and uh, uh, Trubisky was five for sixteen. That's the difference right there, right? Yep. Can you... Also, the the run was ineffective in this game. Yeah. At all. I mean, yeah. you're talking Chicago had 65 yards on the ground. Philly had 42. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, we one of the things we kind of talked about was, you know, in this game, do you trust Nick Foles in the big moment or do you trust Trubisky in this big moment? And you could say the overall stat line doesn't really paint the whole picture. No. Six for 15 on third down, is that what you said? For uh, Trubisky? Yeah. Five of 16. Five of 16 on third down. That's not good. No. It's not good. You have to be able to convert on third down in this league. 
you know, especially in the playoffs to have any kind of a chance, especially with a, a team with a pedigree like Philadelphia, you know. And so, you know, now Chicago loses their defensive coordinator. You know, Vic Fangio's going to the Broncos, which was reported right before we jumped on the mics here. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what they're going to do from here. I think Matt Nagy's a good coach. He's going to find a good quality defensive guy, you know, to, to you know, to make a difference. You know, if you're the Chicago Bears, what it really comes down to is you didn't get after Nick Foles hardly at all in that game. I think Chicago did not do a great job of getting after the quarterback in this game. I, I don't, you know, I know that they got a couple of sacks, but where was Khalil Mack? He disappeared. I, I didn't see, you know, some of that obviously has to be attributed to the scheme of Philadelphia, but I mean, he, I, and I don't want to say he disappeared because I know he has real gravity on the line and it right. freed guys up to do some other things, but you know, he didn't, he didn't make the impact. The impact play that we're used to seeing him make. The the impact play that was going to be expected. That was the, I think that was the biggest thing is like we expected him to be at least close to, you know, adding a ton of pressure. And I just didn't see that. Right. And so I think they, I think they got Nick Foles three times in that game. I think I saw him get sacked three times. I don't know how many times he actually got hit, but I'll tell you what, there was a play where they had Alshon Jeffrey running across the field to the far sideline and Nick Foles tried to throw it down the field to him. Mm-hmm. And Roquan Smith trailed him for like 40 yards down the field and was right there to make the play. And uh, that, that, uh, that play leapt off the screen to me. That is a, um, a linebacker that is running, you know, with an aging, but still a, you know, top tier NFL wide receiver. Exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. Crazy. Uh, you know, I the thing with with uh, you know one of the I wanted to circle back to that uh, Charger game. You know, I picked Baltimore when we did our radio picks, and my reasoning was the the travel for the Chargers. You know, but after having watched that game, I, I just I don't see a team that's more complete than them in the AFC, and I also don't see a team that's as creative as them, or willing to be creative as them in the AFC. They played that entire game with like seven defensive backs on the field. They went super defensive back heavy. They stayed faster than Lamar Jackson. They rolled every coverage and every spy to the left side of the field. Mm-hmm. I watched it again. Like I said, I watched it again yesterday. They rolled everything because when the pocket breaks contain, he rolls to his left all the time. And they just had defensive backs over there the whole time. And it wasn't until late when they backed off uh, some of those defensive backs so nothing got behind them. Right. And they started trying to rush the passer a little better when he sort of started making some th- some plays late. Um, that's a pretty impressive for a team that went into the playoffs at 12 and four you know, for Gus Bradley, who's been a head coach in this league yes. to look at Anthony Lynn, who has not and say, here's what I want to do, you know, and sold it to Anthony Lynn and Anthony Lynn, who, who is looking at this guy who used to be a head coach. I give him a lot of credit. He said, okay, let's do it. It seems crazy. It's not the way we've played all year, but let's go ahead and do it. And look what it did. I mean, Lamar Jackson was terrible. You had people in Baltimore just Booing. howling for Joe Flacco. Yeah. Like just shitty Joe Flacco. Just, I mean, they say nine weeks ago you were you wanted this guy to be run over by a train, you know. <laughs> it's just, I, it's, I just, oh, man. I was just so blown away by their desire, their willingness, and their ability to do that kind of stuff. And I think well, it, it just, just it just shows you. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it just shows you how to scheme for the team you're going to play. Yeah, it's you know that's it. They're thinking about that team only and not thinking about what makes you know. Oh, uh, we have to do this for our overall uh, defensive scheme. No, that was for that one game. It's not going to be the same game this week, right? And I, you know, that's one of the things we because you, you can't play Tom Brady like that. He'll pick you apart. No, but I don't, and I wouldn't argue that they're going to do that. They'll no. have another scheme altogether. They're gonna. I think that they're gonna sell out and just try and beat the hell out of him. Just you know, when you when he gets under real pressure, 
He, rat- that, he gets rattled. That's it, one of his only weaknesses. And because he's not very mobile, and he doesn't have the arm strength really to like make a lot of throws off his back foot. And if you they they tackle well on that team, the Chargers do. Yeah. So if he's constantly got a throw, got a throw underneath to Amendola or or not Amendola. <laughs> It's not, good Lord, Edelman. <laughs> what year is it? Uh, he's got to constantly throw underneath the Edelman. I look at Hernandez every time. <laughs> yeah, if he's you know, you know, no Josh Gordon is a problem for them. You know, if he's you know, he's constantly throwing under uh, underneath the James White or whatever. I mean, the Chargers tackle too well for that to be really effective against them. Yeah, and so I know that the Patriots are invincible at home and all that kind of stuff. But I just look at all the things the Chargers are I don't able know, to do. Dude, Joey Bosa had a great game, and I think he's gonna he's gonna they're gonna put a lot of pressure on. Here's the thing: Bosa had a great game. And and Ingram was the better player. Like some of yeah. the some of the spin moves he put on Baltimore offensive linemen were amazing. Like there are guys still probably spinning looking for him right now. <laughs> guys that are still dizzy, having to kind of shake it <laughs> off. Yeah, <laughs> just unbelievable. And so I just I look back and even though it's not necessarily the game that I picked on the radio when we went back and did our podcast, I kind of said I like the Chargers, and I, you know, they they're just the most complete team I think in that AFC. Race and it's crazy to think that like this team that's got probably the league's MVP and put up you know 600 points a game and whatever else they were going to do. It's amazing to think that like we're already sort of looking past them as like a team that we know that they're not going to make a ton of noise. Yeah, because it don't stop anybody. But crazy, crazy. We should probably take a minute and hear from our sponsor. Our sponsor, Advanced Auto Glass and Detail. Alrighty. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sports Meets Beer podcast is brought to you by Advanced Auto Glass and Detail. Advanced Auto Glass and Detail is committed to providing you with the highest quality premium glass products and a professional installation by certified technicians. They are experienced in every aspect of glass replacement or repair, offering factory replacement or a premium aftermarket upgrade. They even deal with those annoying windshield rock chips that show up out of nowhere. They offer free local mobile service and offer a full warranty on all workmanship for as long as you own your vehicle. And across the street at Advanced Detail, they specialize in cars, trucks, vans, RVs, boats, show cars, trailers, and more. They are a full-service auto detailing shop, offering exterior wash, polish and wax, interior vacuum, shampoo, trim detail, and even smoke and odor removal. Water spot and scratch removal, paintless dent repair, it's all available at Advanced Auto Glass and Detail. Advanced Auto Glass. Look for the purple building at 2460 Santa Rosa Avenue. And right across the street is Advanced Auto Detail at 2549 Santa Rosa Avenue. Advanced Auto Glass, 707-526-5700. Advanced Auto Detail, 707-526-2200. Let Advanced Auto Glass in Detail take care of all of your automotive needs. Back. We're back. Um, go ahead. Uh, okay, well. I was so excited to answer your question. I just started answering it before you even asked it. Yeah, well, that's that's because uh, you're quite the prognosticator. I think you went three and one this last weekend. I did go three and one. Thank I you. didn't. I didn't. I went one and three. The crumble. Olympus is falling, ladies and gentlemen. Olympus <laughs> is falling. Well, just in the, I kept telling myself, I go, I just wish we had reset. I wish we reset our numbers <laughs> like we had talked about because then I'd be in first place right now. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, yeah, so much for my single-digit loss column. God bless it. For those of you who do not know what we are talking about, we do a weekly segment on 97.7 The River. uh, Classic rock for the North Bay. Yeah, here in Sonoma County. You can check that out at 97.7theriver.com. It's called Sports Buzz. We do it with Danny Wright, one of our uh, favorite guests for the show. It's a fun thing we get to do every week. And, uh, you know, for... 
third straight year, Daddy is dominated for the most part. And I cannot say enough. It is because the Niners and Raiders were so terrible for most of the season that I was able to be consistent. Yes. <laughs> well, you still had some good calls on that, that season. I'm not going to take anything away from you. I'm not going to knock any uh, plaques down and break them. Mm, again. So, yeah. uh, allegedly. 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 All Can't alleged. prove anything. Uh, uh, what's the game you're looking forward to the most this upcoming weekend? We've got. I'm going to be honest. This is probably the most engaged I've been in NFL playoffs in a long time. Well, sure, you're three and one. It helps. No, I mean I'm truly <laughs> like I really want to see the breakdown of how that's going to happen in Kansas City. Uh, the to me, the, I, I will tell you this: the game I'm least interested in of all mm-hmm. things is Dallas Rams. Really? Yeah, because I really the Chargers. I really want to see the Chargers Patriots. That's probably the game I'm most excited to see. Second to, uh, I'm sorry, then second place would be Kansas City game. And I want to see New Orleans. I think New Orleans, Philly, to me, the whole NFC is like the second. I'm, I'm looking at AFC. I want to see what's going to happen there. That's the interesting storyline to me. How about you? Uh, I, I'm i looking forward to Dallas and, and the Rams just because I do want to see, you know, what Dallas is able to do against the run. You know, they've been fifth against the run all year. You know, Gurley is a monster. He's coming off an injury. McVay's a great tactician. He's had a week off. He watched what Dallas put on tape last week. Um. But I just I don't know if I trust Jared Goff if things start to go sideways, like if they, you know, because I said that I didn't think that Dallas's defensive line was going to be able to make as much of an impact against Russell Wilson. I thought we'd keep them honest and they beat the shit out of him. Yeah. So, you know, all the hot boys and, you know, Taco Charlton actually played a great game and Marcus Lawrence was an impact player. If they can do that against the Rams, the Rams are in real trouble. So I'm really excited to watch that game. I'm excited to watch. uh, I'm excited. I'm not as excited to watch uh, Chargers Patriots because that environment, that stadium, like there won't, if that game, if the Chargers get up 14 nothing, 14 10, 14 10 will be close, but like 14 3, something like that in the first half. Um, you know, that it will be, it will not be a fun stadium to really watch the game in. And it'll all be about the demise of New England. And you'll watch pouty, Tom, uh, you know, Tom Brady and, you know, yelling at guys on the sideline. And you'll watch, you know, pouty Belichick. And it's just yeah. like, I don't, I, I want to watch these games for the games, right? I don't have the hatred for New England that a lot of people have. They want to see them come down. They want to see, I don't necessarily care too much about all that. The other, the, so I, that game I'm not as into. The other game that I'm really into is Philadelphia and New Orleans. I love that environment. Super loud. You know, yes. I love Drew Brees. You know, what Kamara does, you know, on offense is so important to them. You know, they force a lot of turnovers. Uh, the Saints do. And we saw Nick Foles force a lot of throws against a good defense this last week. He threw the two picks. I mean, obviously, he came up big when it mattered, but he threw the two picks. If you throw picks against the Saints in that environment, you know, Chicago, is a, it's, a, it's a, a, a tough place to play. You know, but it's not New Orleans. It's the weather isn't a factor because Philadelphia plays in a similar climate. It's outdoors. It's not worse or more rowdy than, you know, what Philadelphia is. But just from a sheer volume standpoint, that that dome is going to be rocking. Yeah. Another factor, too, is that uh, the Charger and Patriot game is going to be 27 degrees. That is fucking cold. Yeah. I mean, it's not Green Bay cold, but that is really cold. That could be uh, that could be a big issue. Yeah, I, I <laughs> it can be a huge issue. Except that the Chargers run the ball well, so yeah. they're not going to be you know as reliant on the throw. The throw. You know what? I think my, my other. By the way, of- Philip Rivers' mechanics are so goofy. Oh yeah, what is he? It looks like it's like a half sidearm sort of like ultimate frisbee throw. 
He, got, bro, he probably kicks ass in Frolf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing, you know, I think this, this Eagles-Saints game is going to be close. Um, but, you know, when they met in week 11, you know, the Saints, it was like a really close game. They won 48-7. to seven. So I think, I wonder if the... <laughs> I wonder if Philly has learned anything from that because they, obviously there's a matchup issue there. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what like really to expect in that game because I, what I thought would happen in that Philadelphia, I was 50, 50 on Philadelphia and Chicago. I, if you remember my, I'm going to go with yeah. Chicago. In this game. Yes. Um, if you're, I was 50, 50 on what would happen here. I feel much, much more strongly about what the saints are able to do, but it's just hard to like give up on the Nick Foles magic. I think, um, you know, and then I think I realized that I didn't really ask. Who would you rather see as a magician, Drew Brees or Nick Foles? Uh, I think Nick Foles is already a magician with some of the things he's able to pull off. <laughs> no, he's the undertaker. Oh, right. That is a great meme. <laughs> Interesting that neither one of us said Indianapolis or Kansas City. Why Why is that? I said the second. I, my, that was my second. Oh, you did. After, okay. yeah. Um, it's That's going to be an interesting game. I think part of it, too, is that I'm working on Saturday from like 11 to 10. Oh. It's gonna be a brutal shift, but um, yeah, no, it's it's interesting. I think I think the the Chiefs game is gonna be fun to watch. I think it's gonna be uh, cool to see what Indy can do defensively to get to Mahomes. And I think that uh, it's crazy to think about uh, the Chargers and, and Patriots. How old both those quarterbacks are? How many years they've been in the league? Yeah, it's. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, that is like literally like how many oil cans do they have to bring to keep everybody's knees lubed up in that. Oh, God. <laughs> I the more I'm kind of thinking about this Chiefs Colts game. Uh, there's something about Frank Reich and his demeanor on the sideline and and what he's been able to accomplish with them. You know, I don't know how much of the game you got to watch against Houston, but they kept going, you know, going back to the um Josh McDaniels thing and how he sort of gave up on them. And, you know, uh, Chris Ballard, the, the, uh, general manager had to come out and sort of say like, Hey, uh, we didn't necessarily get the guy we wanted at first, but we got the right guy clearly. Like he said that over the course of the entire season. And so that they've had this sort of steady approach. And I think that that thing will matriculate into the game plan. So, you know, Mahomes hasn't done a good job in the second half of the season, getting off to great starts in some of the bigger games that they've played in. It's taken some late game magic to have them win. You know, if for whatever reason he flips the script there and Kansas city can get off to a strong start. I don't see a situation even in Kansas city, which is an incredibly tough place to play. All the things that we just talked about with new Orleans now add all the weather from Chicago. Right. You know, if it goes the other way and, Kansas City is able to get off to a strong start. I don't see a Frank Reich-led team with Andrew Luck and their ability to run the ball. I don't see them panicking in much the same way. So I think no matter how strong of a game Kansas City gets off to, Indianapolis will be in it through the whole thing. It's tough on the road. I don't know. I, I'm 50-50 on who I'm actually going to pick in that game. I do like Indianapolis a lot. But like the more I think about it, the more I just think like there's an interesting sort of chess game in that... Indianapolis is more versatile in how they can beat you. Yes. In the air, on the ground, their defense is playing well. You know, they don't let you get to Andrew Luck. You know, Kansas City is, they beat you one way and they just run the score up. Right. You know, and so I don't know. That that game, that's probably my, 
I don't know, the only game that I don't really care about is New, New England. The more I think about it, this is a question that I put together and I don't have a clear answer. What a douche. What a All right, douche. Let's do this real quick. Okay. I want knee-jerk reaction when I ask the question. All right. Cowboys, Rams. Ah, boys. Ah, boys. Colts, Chiefs. Colts. Chargers, Patriots. Chargers. Eagles, Saints. Saints. So I think you and I are mirrored exactly on what we're doing. Uh, somebody, yeah, I'm going to go, well, if you do that, I'm going to have to like systematically pick a couple different games just to change up the roster change up a little bit because i know danny's gonna go well, i just well, maintain your th- just maintain no. your team your three games to one lead i just i just well the thing is i want to see because i've noticed danny like danny does it has no he goes for what he thinks is going to win he doesn't think about trying to win right that's right. the and i'm i'll try to think about winning that score so this is what just i don't want to push with everything right 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 so so i i was going to go colts colts uh dallas chargers saints but I might change it up to go Chiefs, Rams, Chargers, Saints, just to fix it up a little bit. It, it's it's interesting. I mean, that Rams game, it's all going to come down to how much pressure they can put on Jared Goff. And not how often they hit him, but just how often they make him have to make like a big time throw. Right. Can they keep him out of rhythm? Or that you know, Maybe that's the biggest thing is what kind of rhythm do you let him get into? I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Well, I guess you'll hear the outcome of this. I can't believe the Rams are minus seven in that game. That's ridiculous. Well, the Saints are eight-point favorites over Philly, too. That's a lot. That's a lot. They did just beat them 48-7. to seven. We just talked about that. They just yes. hung almost a half a hundred on them, you know, not eight, too long but ago. but in playoff football, eight is a lot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Four, when I mean, you see four points on Chargers, uh, I'm sorry, put Patriots over Chargers, and five and a half on Kansas City's uh, Colts. Yeah. So that's, I don't know. That's a lot. (laughs) Anyway, uh, thank you for listening again. This has been Perry. That is Brad Barmore. This is the Sports Meets Beer Podcast. Thanks for checking us out. Listen up for episode 99, a magical number 100. We'll be coming down the pipe here real soon. 100. Uh, So all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, check us out on all of them. We usually respond within minutes because we have nothing else going on in our lives. (laughs) Uh, And that's about it. Brad, anything else? Closing comments? Uh, no. All right, well, here we go. (laughs) That's it. Thanks a lot.